Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Comics Is Our Better podcast, where we talk about the world of independent comics. I am one of your hosts, Brian, and with me, as always, are Carrie. Hello. And Richard. Hey, hey. Hey, hey. Hope you all doing well and ready to talk about some indie comics today. Yes. This wonderful day. Um, but before, I do have a question for y'all. So, it's the 10th anniversary of probably one of the worst adaptations of all time. Um, the Hobbit trilogy. The first movie of the Hobbit trilogy. Oh. It um, came out around, I think, this week. Really? Yes. Okay. And so, um, my question is, do you think we're ever going to get another Hobbit movie where it's just one movie and it's actually a good adaptation? Huh. Or is oh, it do now... I think we'll get one? Yes, eventually. Not anytime soon. Yeah, you don't think it's poison now because of this of, of this trilogy no. that came out? Okay. No. I'm glad. No, I think you're you're being a little myopic in your view. It's just time, <laughs> time. Time heals all wounds. Yeah, that's true. That's like at some true. point, at some point, that's just going to be a popular, you know, it's going to be a 120 year old book in, you know, 30 or so years and someone's going to want to readapt it. That's been popular for a long time. It's going to be like Three Musketeers. How many Three Musketeers movies are there? That is really true. Definitely. I think A24 should be the. um, I would like that. that. I think that'd be fucking sick. Also, I think we should do a fuck, Mary kill of like Samwise. Frodo. <laughs> for oh, but this is Lord. This is a but yeah, those are Lord of the Rings. Before. Oh wait, yeah. no, wait. This is uh, Bilbo. This would be Bilbo and Gandalf and maybe Elrond. This, yeah, this is how or... Bilbo gets the 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 One Ring. Yeah. Oh, I would. And then, and then Lord of the Rings, Bilbo giving Frodo <laughs> the One Ring to return to Mount Doom. What? Yeah, yeah. I obviously I've never read this shit. Yeah. And well, oh yeah, Hobbit, no, no. Oh, you never read the Hobbit? It's it's, uh-uh. it's so, the better of the books, in my opinion. You could probably get, you could <laughs> and probably, it's super short. Yeah, you could probably read the Hobbit in an afternoon, and um, it's it's pretty easy. Um, and it's really good. So, um, oh, did you the, watch those movies, Brian? Because I, I, I for one have never seen them. I've I tried to watch them and I failed miserably, and I'm never gonna try again. Because wow. um, uh, and then I and then I just basically have listened to a lot of. Like podcasts talking about them, like where did everything go wrong? If, so <laughs> yeah, it was one of those deals. The reason why I never seen it because I like the old Lord of the Rings movies. Obviously, yes. I've read the book and I love yeah. the book. And it was mm-hmm. one of those things I was like, because at the time it was only two movies, but I was still like, yeah. that's insane. That book's so short. Why would it be yeah. two movies? Exactly. And then it got expanded to a third. And then I listened to so many podcasts of people shitting all over it. That I was just like, you know what? Don't even mm-hmm. do like my time is not limitless so i don't even need to go check it out <laughs> exactly and and um yeah I'm, I'm in the same boat where I, I love the lord of the rings trilogy movies and like and i and i always loved the hobbit and i like the rankin bass like animated hobbit movie that they did um you know i but... somehow miss that i know people revere those but like that was not in my like you know we're yeah. about the same age and somehow those just completely missed me going up it's yeah i, I think it's because my dad was like a big Tolkien person, that's the only reason why that kind of mm. went under into my radar. Because for some reason, yeah, I no, just, yeah, one of my best friends, he loves yeah. those movies, you know, um, and I just completely didn't catch them. You know how, like, um, like when growing up, like there's things that your family 
did or like they were into and that you thought like every family did and were into that was mm-hmm. one of the things where i was like oh everyone loves lord of the rings and everyone's read the hobbit and it's like oh no no like you're you're weird <laughs> <laughs> like your family's weird same with um my my dad used to watch jeopardy every day and so i'm like oh everyone watches jeopardy and it's like no no not everyone watches Jeopardy. <laughs> <Ryan."> <laughs> so, so, there, yeah. there there there's like very few universal truths like i think you can get consensus on prices right if you yeah. happen to be home at 11 o'clock i think you can get consensus like i don't know a kid of our, our age group or younger that doesn't have some sort of relationship with sesame street yeah but i think like but like those things are few and far between <laughs> Yeah, no, very true. Yeah, there's something that's completely 100% synonymous with everybody. But, um, but yeah, I was, yeah, I, I was, it was kind of funny when I came to terms with being the weirdo. <laughs> I was going to say, um, I, I don't know, I think we may have spoken about this before. Did did we speak about the, uh, the, the South Park thing with Token and Tolkien? No. So, you know, on South Park, the one black kid at the school, his name is Token. Oh, no. <laughs> right. And it's been, but it's a joke. It's an yeah. inappropriate joke that they made 20, 25 years ago. Not yeah. excusing it, but like no. you were, were of that age that we know how comedy was at the time. So yeah. it's not surprising. That's true. Mm-hmm. So as the show runs long enough, so like a year ago, as the time changed, they did an episode and with Token and his family. And then, or so yes, uh, Stan's family has a uh, dinner with Token's family. And then the father's like, Hey, Tolkien, can you go get me this? They're like, what'd you call your son? They're like, Tolkien, his name. And he's like, and then the dad's like, yeah, I'm big into Lord of the Rings. I love those <laughs> books and I love the Hobbit. So I named my son Tolkien. They're like, what'd you think our son's name was? That's and it's just funny. silent. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a really good episode. Like, yeah. And it's like, you know, in this era where it's like people are like, everything's too PC. It was a very elegant way to be like, oh, we made a yeah. joke that like, you know, does it stand the test of time so we'll make fun of ourselves and make fun of the joke like it was it was really well done it's an excellent retcon yeah exactly it's like a perfect retcon (laughs) that's very cool well speaking of retcons we we have some comics to talk about today oh can i just say one last thing about that go ahead definitely (laughs) so so the fun part is everyone's always called them token on the show but the way that they they framed it is that stan's family him and his dad we're like they're the racists. They were the only ones that didn't realize it was Tolkien. Oh. So, so, but but that you know that's the retcon. So it's like everyone's like, yeah, I, like like Stan's going up to everyone. He's like, hey, did you know Tolkien's name is Tolkien? And they're like, yeah. yeah. Why why did you think his name was Tolkien? And he's like, and he's just silence. Yeah. <laughs> nice. That's funny. Uh, all right. Well. Um, okay. So we'll go ahead and go it. In- get into the comic world then now let's let's Um, get it we don't have a diy corner so we're gonna go ahead with this cornerless episode and get into our spotlights and since uh richard you had the main course you go first on the spotlights today all right so this week i checked out uh i i'm gonna say voyages either voyages or voyages number one from image (laughs) But uh, it's another difficult name. It's by uh, Samegi. I want to say Samegi Kesgen. Um, writing and uh, on the art. But uh, so this is just uh, it's a space tale about uh, aliens. We um, open up on a this blue alien woman named Sen. 
she's I guess the cyborg or at least she has a robot arm and basically she's like on a she's like a salvager they're like on a salvaging mission they're trying to you know it's the world that they built so like it's like a world where technology mixes with plant life so like their spaceships are metal but also they have like plant components so like they're salvaging both metal and plants and then like these uh drones come and they catch her and her uh partner um I forget his name. I think it's Gren. <laughs> but yeah, they 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 basically ambushed them. And so or excuse or his name's Zach. And yeah, so his name's Zach. And then they have another partner called Gorn. And Gorn's just like a hairball with tentacles, but he's pretty damn powerful. And he takes out one of the drones solo dolo. So <laughs> so they're trying to salvage. And then the, after they take out the drones, they see we see who's monitoring them. And I guess it's our main bad guy. His name is uh, Primoris. And we can't even see him. He's just He looks like a druid. He's just a hooded, cloaked figure, but you can't see any details. And then there's a, uh, a uh, I don't know, if, I guess it's another cyborg. It's called Plabot, but it's definitely a robot, but it looks like it has not a human brain, but like, you know, the casing for the brain is open and it looks like there's plant life in there that's oh, wow. kind of power, powering it. Cool. So Plabot uh, gives chase but then Primor sees on the screen that our main protagonist, Sen, she's a, a specific type of alien called a, a now NAU. And basically, they're thought to be extinct. So he calls off the hunt because he doesn't want Plabot to kill her because, like, there could be, you know, more information to be, you know, to, to, to learn from this race that they thought was extinct. So they're able to get away. But... They they come across a satellite and then um, it like something when they get close to the satellite there's like a message on it that we as the reader can't really see but Sen does and then in the next page she seems to pass out and either she's in a hallucination or we're getting a flashback but she's like back on her like on, she's just hanging out on the beach somewhere. Oh wow! But it was very interesting. Like it That's has cool. really, really, yeah. really neat world building. It's going to be a five issue series. I thought it was really, you know, just a dope world. And like, since they're like, you know, scavengers out in space, like, I don't know if they're originally from Earth or like, you know, because like there's a lot of of our lingo and like little hints to be like, maybe these people used to be Earthlings, though they're, you know, very weird looking alien people or some sort of affiliation with Earth. Mm -hmm. So we'll see. But I really liked it in the world building in it. That's cool. Yeah, I'm um, looking at the the preview art um, that's available, and it looks really colorful and vibrant. And yeah, I, I like this. This looks re really cool. And um, the 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 main protagonist looks pretty cool too. So <laughs> yeah, it looks like something I will enjoy. Um, yeah, that once again, you you, hit, you got something that um, flew under my radar. I don't know why I didn't. This is totally no, no, flew under mine too. Just shout out to Evocative Art because I did not hear any like promo or preview for this. It just had a really, really, you know, you know, striking cover, and that's yeah. what made me pick it up. And then you know, and then ended up having good stuff inside. And that's <laughs> that's how I do my shopping when it comes to comics. Like you know, just the the behind the curtain. But yeah, here. like sometimes like I know yeah. something's coming out, and I know exactly why I want to pick up. And something is just like that art. Just you know, it's like a mm -hmm. food in an old cartoon. Like the smell of the art lifts you up the ground and just drags you towards it. Exactly. 
this is something I must have just just not thought, see it because like yeah. um, where I where I go and to uh, figure out what books I want, it's, it's a picture of all the covers, and this is a cover that would have totally made me at least click on it and just like read the synopsis. But yeah, this looks really cool, so I'm yeah, I'm yeah. gonna put this on my uh, on my trade weights and and pick it up as a trade when it comes out. And I'm always one like for world building. Like there's a lot of games that like maybe the second iteration is like the better or the more popular one, but I like the first one because it has like go like with Mass Effect. Like yeah. I think Mass Effect 2 is the most revered of the games, but I'm like, I like Mass Effect 1 with all the, the world building and I'm learning about all these new aliens. Like not that I don't like living in the world, but like I, know, I like to see the whole structure being built. Yeah, exactly. And and, and there's also a certain art to that. Um, to world building where you don't just feel like you're getting like just text upon text about like the place they're showing and then the, you know they're showing it they're they're letting you live it without it you know feeling like you're in a history class learning about this place you know so you know it's um when that's done well it's it's done it's pretty cool mm-hmm. definitely very cool well speaking about world building um I also have a, an excellent uh, world-building book to talk about here. Well, I'm sure you've all never heard of the subject of these books. Like, this is something just totally Indian, not part of the cultural zeitgeist. Um, but I read the uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. I know it sounds <laughs> crazy, but nice. it's pretty cool. But it's um, what I read was the Ultimate Black and White Collection, uh, Volumes 1 through 6, by Kevin Eastman, Peter Laird, and various, and this these versions were published by IDW. Uh, so, so yeah, this is the origins of like of Ninja Turtles. Basically, um, these were the original black and white comics reprinted. Basically, anything that Eastman and Laird had their fingers on, um, it has been reprinted in these six volumes. Um, sometimes we, you know, like obviously, this is a big cultural touchstone for our generation and and now younger too i feel like this isn't one of those things that we pushed on to the younger generations this is something that has been pretty synonymous with other generations as well like you know because there's been multiple cartoons there's been multiple movies even the bad michael bay movies you know at least those were you know i'm sure that there's a five or six year old kid that wait wait, wait, were those bad (laughs) i never saw them but i heard good things about that i heard they were like not, okay. not that they're high cinema, but I heard that they're fun. Well, it's they were better than the uh, the Transformer movies, <laughs> um, but no, the um, it's just the the aesthetics and the look to them were pretty. Yeah, they're very big hulking turtles. <laughs> yeah, and that I think that was kind of an issue. Like, but like if you get past that, I mean, they were they were okay. I mean, but they weren't they, but they weren't great. Or are really good. Like they, I, I preferred even the live action ones from you know the eighty nine with the uh, well, no, no, Robo suits. The, yeah, the first one is like a legit good movie. Like it it's is. just a well made, so good, good movie. And, and then and, the, the, the other two, I'm like, yeah, there's a lot of nostalgia there. Make, yeah, make yeah. me appreciate. Very true. <laughs> but but Vanilla Ice, Go Ninja Go. That's 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 nostalgia. I love it. Yeah. I, I won't. I, you can't get me to speak against it. But I can't. I, yeah. I won't try to venture to tell you it was good. But you mm-hmm. can't get a negative word out of me about it. <laughs> so, um, well, it's funny that you you talk about that uh, about the uh, the first Ninja Turtles movie, um, 
there after reading these I could see like where a lot of like the really good Ninja Turtle stuff that I've seen and and uh, experienced in my life have got got their you know their inspiration from like where I always like like I kind of grew up where I was like oh yeah the, the Ninja Turtle car- comics they're nothing like the, the cartoon or the movies or TV shows they're more grim and gritty and yes they are but like it feels like the the real good Ninja Turtle stuff I've experienced took from those original issues. right um I I read that the same book that you read I read it about a year ago yeah um I think it was for something we we were thinking about doing it and I'm not it doing, but when I read yeah right when I read it what was kind of jarred for me is like oh these characters are pretty realized like they're not you're exactly the cartoon Ninja Turtles but everyone's like like Donatello is very much the Donatello that you know, if you watch any iteration of the cartoon or movies, video games, same thing for Raph, same thing for Mike, same thing for Leo. Yeah, exactly. And um, the one that just didn't seem as fleshed out in the original books was was definitely Michelangelo. Michelangelo, yeah. He came but, out but, but I think by like issue six, he's more of Michelangelo. He's or he's closer. He's not there yeah. yet. Yeah. But 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 definitely he he's the one that's least. Like like the others, but like yeah, um, I felt like Don, Leo, and Raph were pretty much their characters from Jump Street. Absolutely, yeah, definitely, and um, and so so yeah, I I was really impressed, like that, like this series. I mean, these these the guys, the people who created them, they never created really a comic before, and they just come out of like you know, the woodworks and they try to sell this to Marvel and Marvel's like, no, thank you. So they're like, okay, well then we're just going to start our own studios. And they start publishing these things literally just like from like their basement. And like the quality is high. I'm like really surprised. And I was, and I was like, Mm -hmm. this is awesome. I can see why, (laughs) why someone picked this up and was like, yeah, we're going to make this into a cartoon because like, yeah, like, yeah, there's no there's no growing period. Like it, it just it starts out good, and it also just like you said, it was like everyone they already knew where they were going, they already knew what they were gonna do, and who was gonna be who, and and what and you know how they were gonna act, and there was like really like it just seemed like you're reading something that, you know, like you even though it was brand new, it was like the original stuff that the first things that came out, it felt like mm-hmm. you were reading a series that has been around for like 30 or 40 years. Oh, wow. Because okay. it, like the quality is, is definitely there. Um, the, it changes our uh, a little bit towards the end of the series. Is, I guess there was a lot of uh, animosity between Laird and Eastman going forward in their mm-hmm. relationship, so they didn't work with each other as much. Um, and so they, they also hired other people to work with, with them to do uh, the comics, but but yeah, overall, just uh, a lot of fun. Uh, very very good, uh, just solid comics, you know. And yeah. I also see a lot of inspiration to like early two thousand comics from coming from these books too. So you know, very cool. It's pretty cool, definitely. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I'm always here to support reading the classics. I think mm-hmm. I remember when uh, Stan Lee had passed away. I'd never read uh, like the original Fast Fantastic Fours, but it was a similar experience where I read Fantastic Four number one. I think I read one through five in like in a city. Mm-hmm. And from the Fantastic Four to Doctor Doom to Namor, like pretty much what those characters are today, they're pretty fairly well realized mm-hmm. from issue one, from their first appearances. I would say the only one 
that isn't as well realized is Sue. And it has less to do, like, there's a lot of the essence of Sue there. But, like, no, there's a lot of just sexism because, you know, it was written by two older men in the 60s when, you know, women weren't mm-hmm. even allowed to really have jobs or have yeah. credit yet. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, the, the Sue of today is a much more realized, independent woman, whereas this Sue is very much, you know, like, hey, how can I help the boys out? <laughs> just oh, like- I got captured, my bad. <laughs> I read somewhere where basically they, it was like um, they would literally give superpowers to um, the female characters that basically were made the, so that they didn't have to have like actual like physical altercations with, with other characters. Like Ooh. that's why that's why Jean Grey was like the psychic telekinetic. And oh, that's why. Well, no, she wasn't psychic. She was just or, telekinetic, tel- which yeah, makes sense. Yeah. And, and, and then that's why like sue like had the literally a visible invisible force field that she could create so people can get here so yeah the yeah so i i thought that was pretty funny and also stan had always said that um that sue was based on his wife so i i, I actually kind of find that funny that she wasn't really that flushed out in the first few issues Damn. so who knows but that's yeah. not great yeah um, <laughs> richard who's your go-to uh turtle Oh, um, I, I, we're, we're we're Raphael people in this household. Interesting. <laughs> I'm a Raphael. Um, I'm Donatello. I was I dressed up as Donatello three Halloweens in a row. Thank you very oh, much. Nice. I have to... I, I was okay. gonna say I dressed up as um Raphael two Halloweens in a row. But you you remember like the old Halloween costume where it's like the schmock and then like <laughs> the, the plastic mask. That's yes. what I had. That's and then the um the uh there was a school Halloween party, so I remember there was a growth spread between. I just had the same costume, so by the end of that party, like I had like ripped out of that costume, just <laughs> me being so much too big for it and trying to move around in it, like tore it, like like I was just in a shredded costume when I left. Oh my god! You know what that reminds me of? Oh yeah, I know. Can we say that on air? Um, I don't know. It's kind of a, it, 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 it would be embarrassing to the person that listens. So, okay, we found out one of our nephews listens. Hi, Manny, if you're listening, yeah. um, you know this story. So, <laughs> one of our nephews, who will remain nameless, used to love Spider Man. And nice. we're a chunky family, we've always been a chunky family. And so this little one, when he was between like four and five, was no exception. And his mom bought him a Spider-Man costume, the zip up ones with like the fake pecs. Mm-hmm. And it fit him when he was like four. And it was really cute because he always wore it. And he was like Spider-Man, right? He'd whip and shit. Well, he got to like six or seven he would still try to fit himself into it where the little zipper busted in the back so it would like only be kind of on and then he'd have just like these saggy spider-man tits <laughs> because <laughs> the, the, the padding in the back <laughs> were like all, yeah like, we get all messed up. up so yeah it was so funny because so, i uh i know somebody that that who's gonna go through that very soon uh one of my nephews he religiously it's literally like he gets out of his spider-man costume to put on his miles morales spider-man costume oh, and, it's, and he's a teeny little guy but but at some point that that growth spurt's gonna hit i know <laughs> it's gonna happen and it's heartbreaking because you want them 
to enjoy like the love of that sort of thing when they're a kid you know like you just want them to enjoy it so it's sad when they their little dreams get crushed so they can no longer <laughs> wear the costume exactly. but it's also hilarious um i'm yeah i'm donatello i i bought a boy's it was a boy's teenage mutant ninja turtle donatello um like sleeping outfit like pajamas and um i wore those mm-hmm. three years in a row um i I would all say it's because I loved him so much. I also think we were tight on money and my parents realized that they could get three Halloweens plus <laughs> nighttime wear out of these pajamas. So nice. I was, I was on a tello all the time. He was a smart one. He had the coolest um, weapon in my opinion. Uh, he's purple. Yeah. He was my favorite. Always. Always on a tello girl. Um, you know, actually, from reading the comics, um, who kind of grew in my in my like like liking of is uh, Leonardo. Leonardo. I, I I was assuming you'd say that. Yeah, I I became more of a liker of Leonardo going through this. Like I'm like, okay, cool. Like I actually enjoy his character more now from reading the the books. He's the leader. Yes. Uh, um. So so that's what I was gonna say, uh, Carrie. So I think we were subject to. And no disrespect because these people built my childhood and I love their work, but whoever adapted those characters, they had a very strict uh, um, view of what the leader character was and how they behaved. And that person was corny and lame because same thing when I, I watched the X-Men cartoon and Cyclops mm-hmm. was so corny. And then when I, I read Cyclops. back and read yeah. the X-Men comic, the thing is, is that yeah. Terry, he is a... Three, two to three hundred percent better, more interesting character in the comics. Like if you read those classic comics, than anything you saw on the cartoon. Absolutely. I always felt I. So before I read any, before I read or watched any X Men, Cyclops was my favorite X Men because just that costume, the whole look is very evocative. Mm-hmm. X Men cartoon comes on, and I'm like, oh my god, what a loser! I can't stand this <laughs> yeah. guy. And yeah. then you're, you know, and I read X Men comics, and he and. The X-Men comics I'm reading in the 90s are informed by the cartoon. So he's pretty corny and he's pretty like just unlikable and corny leader guy Mm -hmm. until about 2000, around the Grant Morrison run, right, Uh, Brian? Mm -hmm. But the thing is, is that when I went back and read the old 70s and 80s X-Men stuff, no, he's a very fascinating, interesting, well-realized character. And he's not corny all the time. Like, like I, but I think whatever the adaptation was, maybe it was like a a mandate for like kids television. But like, if you were the leader character, automatically you were gonna be lame, right? Well, yeah. also too, like he's a fucking cuck in the yeah. X Men movies. Yeah, with Wolverine. He with is, Wolverine. So, and I so he is a it. cuck. He is a cuck. At some point, he does get to cuck his wife back, and now yeah. we're not sure if. All the Whatever. people that were in that cookie, if they're a truple or whatever. <laughs> oh, in modern in, times, in, in, the current, definitely, in the current era. Definitely in the modern books, they're, they're now a throuple, definitely. They they're have, a throuple. But the they thing have, is they, that they, they won't say it explicitly. They won't, but... they. Um, but but it's, it's heavily alluded, but also you're saying they're a truple. Emma is still somehow involved. She is. So, yeah, she yeah. Is. So I don't know if it's the four of them, yeah. what the Wait, mix and matching is. So... <laughs> Jean Grey, right, is the wife. Yes. Mm-hmm. So she gets DP'd by Cyclops and Wolverine. Maybe. Yeah. 
Because um, I mean, so, she's, so, she's hashtag so girl the, boss. So I love way, that. So the way, um, so Hickman likes to make um, maps and charts. That's one of the Jonathan Hickman's things. Okay. So when he created like the new universe, um, so the the Summer's House, what they call it, mm-hmm. is on the moon, and in in it he had all the rooms, and there's three bedrooms that are interlocked together with like with doors between each other. Jean Grey's in the middle, and Cyclops mm-hmm. is on the left, and Wolverine's on the right of the room. Nice. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, they're heavily implying that uh, that they're a throuple. So I love that. Yeah. I mean, I I um in theory a polyamory sounds great. Um I don't think it's possible. I think someone's heart's always going to get shattered because I just think we we create strong bonds mm-hmm. as humans. But hey, if you can get DP'd, <laughs> more power to you, girl. So I'm all for I it. think um I, I was having this discussion like, actually this previous weekend. I was just like about how polyamory and I'm not even here like, oh, I'm for it. But I, I do think that part of the reason why it doesn't work right now is because we're a very dishonest society. Because, mm-hmm. like, I was just like, if we could agree upon, hey, I'm the guy that dates multiple women, are you a woman that would be into that? But, like, that's not what we have. We have mm-hmm. people that, like, oh, like, either the guy cheats or the girl cheats or, you know, one person suggests it and the other person well, they want to be with this person. So they're not honest with the fact that they're not into it. They just say that they're into it. And it, you know, becomes disastrous at the end. But I feel yeah. like there, ha- there has to be a way that like, like, no, I, that has to work for somebody. Like it can't yeah. not work for anybody. Right. When I was in my late teens, early twenties, I had a, a coworker <laughs> who she would hook up. She, it's like everyone in her friend group was in an open relationship. And she used to think I was real cute and she wanted me to get with her husband at the, or like fiance at the time they weren't married yet. And then I was like, I don't know, that sounds kind of weird. Um, and then she introduced me to a male friend of hers and the male friend liked me and he said he was in an open relationship. And I was like, okay, well, that's cool. Until I realized the open relationship only applied to him because his partner right. <laughs> was heavily heavily in love with them and she did not like the fact that he was sleeping with other women mm-hmm. and once i met her and i figured that out um i cut all ties <clears throat> excuse me i cut all ties with all of them because i'm like this is a train this is wreck. A mess this is yeah. a yeah. fucking mess it's like, literally a fucking mess yeah it was just so sad it was so so sad yeah yeah it felt awful you know and it's like and again when you're like a free loving kind of free spirited like 20 something or like what however old you are it's it sounds like all fun and games because you like you said like if everyone is honest with themselves and each other then it's a very you know it's on the up and up and it just it's it is a good time and it is kind of like this communal love and like you know there's no jealousy or anything but no one is ever a hundred percent honest, even with themselves, and it becomes something very icky. Yeah, I think very quickly for a lot of people. Also, um, just so just so you all know, if you hear a dog in the background, that's our dog. our our dog is in a very playful mood and he's growling at us, trying to yeah, he's trying to get. Trying oh to no, no, I thought, I thought he was a poly a poly uh, oh. every advocate. 
Yes, his voice out. Johnny's bad at that. We're uh, we're saying monogamy. Yes. Yeah. No, I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> do what you want to do. Just yeah. be safe. No, do what you want to do. But the thing is, is that we all need to be above board and honest with you, yeah. so that to we're the, all doing yeah. the thing that we want to do. Yeah, exactly. absolutely, absolutely. Together, to to <laughs> yourselves and to the other person. Yeah. Um, the sister yeah, wives. Yeah, to the partners, you have to respect. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. The second sister wife mm-hmm. just left. Oh no. In that sister wives show thing, the second wife just left. That's yeah. Oh wow. Not working. No. He's not fulfilling whatever bullshit obligations. I don't know. They're not bullshit, but like whatever bullshit he fed these women. Yeah. That they're gonna be all equal. It's not working. They're getting tired of it. They're getting the fuck out. Good for them. I hope they find somebody else. Johnny approves. Yeah. Awesome. Anyways, that was a tangent. Sorry. <laughs> all right. Well. Okay. Well. Uh. With all of that. So yeah. Ninja Turtles. Pretty cool. And awesome. um. So we're gonna go ahead and get into our main subject, which is the private eye uh we did volume one which is issues number one through five if you're reading the single issues by brian k vaughn marcos marcos martin and Munsa vicente um and the the one version has come out from image it's also now available on uh via panel syndicate which uh we'll, we'll talk about it in a little bit as well as we go along here so this was richard's choice and so I'll go ahead and let Richard let us know about this comic. Quick synopsis, and we'll get into spoilers afterwards. Cool, cool, cool. So, the private eye is our world, but in the future. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so we open up in it with a uh, a gentleman who seems kind of like a, a bit of a pervert. <laughs> He's kind of yeah. like watching somebody mm-hmm. with a camera from out their window and, like, and oh, yeah. then he gets yeah yeah it's very <laughs> it's very salacious <laughs> and uh but what we find out he gets stopped by like a like a uh, a landlord and a police officer and we find out that he's quote unquote paparazzi cuz apparently in this current universe like the press doesn't exist in the same way that it used to and so you need paparazzi to, to like, you know, dig up dirt. So the paparazzi is more of like a private eye type of thing. And the person that he was being he was per- being pervy on, what we see is she like takes her clothes and her skin off because in this world, everyone's constantly wearing disguises. Some people have core disguises and that's like a person that you like wear and, you know, use all the time. And some people are always mixing and matching disguises on a regular basis but our you know main character he's able to get able to get away from the cops because he has something called a dream coat Mm -hmm. and a dream coat is this coat that like kind of turns invisible ish and helps him blend in but also it has the creepiest but most awesome face on the back of the hood that thing Mm -hmm. is terrifying and just Uh great design (laughs) yes but yeah, so we find out that he was peeping on this woman because a gentleman that he knows or that hired him, that was like his high school. I don't even think it was his high school sweetheart. It was more like no. a high school crush. Yeah. That he's he's <laughs> kind of, he wanted to see how she was. Because apparently this uh, whole thing with the uh, the everyone in costume, um, it's not so much that it's recent, but it's in this like current generation. Because basically everyone's, is this a spoiler? 
Um, no, I, this, I think that's the major plot I think line. it's just the makeup of the universe, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. What we find out is that everyone stored all their information in the cloud. The cloud got hacked. And now, and basically everyone's deepest, darkest secrets, perversions were exposed. So now we have a newer society where basically everyone's in disguise all the time. Once they become an adult, like children are just children. But once you're, you, you become an adult, you get to basically choose the identity that you want. And people hop from identity to identity. Mm-hmm. And, you know, making uh, our main character, you know, kind of sought after in the underground because he's going to go find out the things that people don't want to find. Yeah. And, I mean, th- that's basically the setup for this world. I feel like anything else kind of jumps into spoilers because it's, you know, this is kind of like a police noir and everything kind of leads to another. Well, one other thing I can say is that since it's the future, he works out of the Chateau Maman which is in disrepair and it's just like basically offices now for, 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 for people, which I thought yeah. was a nifty, nifty little uh, nugget. But also since he works at the Chateau of Mama, there's like posters for all old Hollywood movies. And like, uh, there's like little accents where, he, you know, the books that he's reading are real books. And he has like a nice record collection of real records. Oh mm-hmm. yeah. But yeah, that's like the setup of the world. Mm-hmm. Which um, but yeah, and so he gets. Um, I think we can also talk about the job that he initially goes on for the story. Is Richard Absolutely. there? Absolutely. Oh, there he is. Okay. Oh. Yeah. So, if we're gonna jump into spoilers, the what happens is that he gets his next case, and it's <laughs> a uh, a woman with a tiger head <laughs> that <laughs> shows up, and her her she leads off with her birth name and lets her know that he's she's Taj McGill. And uh, the way that she's able to get it, she uses his, uh, there's a code word that he uses. It's Pat, the name Patrick Immelman. P.I. And, and so she takes off the uh, tiger head and, you know, reveals herself. And essentially she wants to hire him to go look up dirt on her because, like, she's applying for a job, but apparently she's done some stuff. And she wants to make, sh- and she's like paid for her dirt to be buried, and she wants to make certain that the dirt's buried. So she's hiring him literally to make sure that the information that even someone of his skill can't find out information about it mm-hmm. is basically the gig. Yeah, uh, and so she's like, he doesn't want to take the gig, but she's flush with cash, so he kind of feels the need to. And <laughs> that character, the young woman Taj she's going to end up dead very quickly because whatever she was involved in is a really, really big deal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And like her, her, her boss or whoever murders her one wrinkle, like I can't really get a timetable on this, uh, this world, how recent it is because uh, our main character's grandfather is there. He lives with them. And at first it's kind of like, makes it seem like the grandfather's senile. And he may, and he may be, he may be just, you know, dipping in and out, but like, he seems like, a, a person from our world like he seems yeah. like us in 30 yes. 40 years he's elderly yes. but his his foot is definitely he's you healthy. know firmly planted in our time in the in like the 2010s 2015s mm-hmm. 2020s he's got arm tats he plays call of duty <laughs> yeah he yeah, plays um, call of duty he has a like he has what's pretty obviously an iphone <laughs> yeah and so um there's a there's a quick little tiny clue to what year this is in the very beginning of the book uh-huh and it's because it mentions the tricentennial of the united states so uh-huh. this is i think it's taking place in or around 20 yeah, right right you're right yes, yes. It yeah. say 76 no you're 100 yeah. i completely forgot that detail <laughs> yeah so yes. so it's about you know a couple more generations 
Right. Wow. But yeah, so he, so like, we can't tell, because there's sometimes that he's, the grandfather in the book, he's super lucid. So I don't know if he's playing up that like he has Alzheimer's, because sometimes uh, he's, uh, our grandson, he's a, very compassionate to him and sometimes he's a total dick to him so i can't tell if, yeah. if he's going through something or if it's a bit no or for uh, our main or, or for our main protagonist does he have a name um we never get his real name i think because the, the, they just call him the pi or you know yeah. when he goes yeah. by patrick Immelman. yeah i mm-hmm. think i think we hear pi mostly from people um so i'm assuming those are his actual initials but um but yeah um, we don't really get his name, not at least. Not oh, also, yes, our main protagonist—he, he, well, he, he obviously he's mixed, but because but he presents like yeah. a black man, but his yeah. grandfather's like an old white tatted up dude. It's very, it's very cute their relationship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And part of the ways he's inconspicuous, how I was saying, is that like uh, you don't get a uh, costume and aliases to your adults, so he doesn't drive because he doesn't want the DMV to have information on him. But his driver is a teenager. Yes. <laughs> yes. Melanie. Melanie, shout out to Lady Melanie. Nunchuck is the, the she's trying yeah. out her future alias and it's Lady Nunchuck. So yeah. I have a question about that because she's she mentions her charm bracelet that she wears, and then you don't get the aliases until you're like legally an adult. How come? I'm really confused about all that. I think it was like a I think it's a you know protect the innocence of the children type of thing. Oh, okay, okay, okay. yeah. I think I think that's a big part of it, and they have to wear like the bracelets so they know that these are the the real people. They know who are minors. It's like the X mm-hmm. on the on the yeah on the, your, yeah when you go to a, if uh, you go to a show, show yeah right right yeah. if you could yeah. go to a show or a party that serves liquor but you're in the group that's not old enough <laughs> yeah exactly um, and and I think that's because everyone can not be themselves so and someone could probably present themselves as a like a 10 or 12 year old person like an adult could present themselves that way you know so so i think that's probably what it is is that it protects the youth like going back to the first part of the of the book where the person that's getting like spied on by um, pi she's removing like the like the flatex which is like the fakey skin stuff Mm -hmm. yeah she looks really young and mm-hmm. the creepy dude even makes a comment saying that she hasn't changed since high school yeah that she looks exactly the same so you're right because you can present much younger yeah exactly you really are so yeah, I, I think which um leads up just really quick to one of the things i actually kind of really enjoyed about the book is this is definitely a well thought out like future society by by pawn by cape on and um and marcus martin because like yeah. the way it feels because my my big question to y'all is like do you think this is like a possible future for us like where you, like basically so, everyone is hiding themselves because there's cameras everywhere now and everything yes so i, I do i think that this is a possible future like realistically no mm-hmm. but like it's so it's so well rooted in like this could be our future that it feels very real, well realized and real. Yeah. No, and that's... like I, 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 I equate it to like I don't know if you've ever seen or read The Handmaid's Tale. Mm-hmm. It's like I hope that never happens, but it's like, oh man, 
you, 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 this is so well written that I can definitely see the threads how, of how we would get there. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, it, the further we go into the future, more seems realistic. Right, right. The closer, <laughs> clo- like the more, more realistic. But yeah, like the yeah. fact that we live in a surveillance state, that we have cameras on us, all watching us all the time, that we carry them on our persons all yeah. the time, recording devices, and you know, just everything that exactly. the constant. You know the, the the current world has. They're like, yeah, like could we evolve into a society that's like, oh yeah, no, I would prefer that no one ever sees my face, no one ever really knows who I am. Yeah, no, it's not that far fetched. Yeah, because mm-hmm. I mean, like doxing is a is a real issue even now. Yeah. You know, so <laughs> as I as I look at a picture of a man that has a squid head, I'm like, yeah, it's not that far fetched. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But so, um, what what do you think, Carrie? Do you think that is a possibility about about this being a future? Oh yeah, I just um. You know, because they when they talk about the flood yeah. or like the cloud bursting, it's true. There's a lot. Um, I think it's no, it's not PI. It's the um, it's the creepy uh, customer from the beginning. Uh, he makes a comment about how, you know, we all there's always a like a secret part to our lives. Right. You know, mm-hmm. uh, coming full circle to like this you know dishonesty thing where you know we present ourselves a certain way but we are online life Mm -hmm. is so can be so vastly different Mm -hmm. and I think that's really true because I don't I mean I'm on incognito mode a lot a lot of the time because I don't necessarily want people knowing what I'm looking up you know what I mean like I don't look up great stuff (laughs) <laughs> I don't you know it's not it's not something I would share with my folks right um, I, I tell Brian everything but you know like it's not something I would share with like my family so it's um I don't I I don't know I, I think it's scary to me that it feels very possible mm-hmm. because I don't like that yeah. I don't like um you know like you you could live your life as quote unquote, like, Oh, as openly or as honestly as you say you want to, but you really don't, you know? And it's like, I don't like people knowing Mm -hmm. everything. And so I do think it's, I do think you need to hide. Cause they they literally say yourself. They literally say that, that it wasn't like what was saved on the drives. It was the search um, yeah, it was history. your search history that like, really got everybody yeah. in trouble. Right. And, yeah. Yeah. And so um and what you were just saying, Carrie, made me think I was just like, isn't it, it seems even less far fetched just with the point that you're making because online almost feels like that. Like, yeah, there's people that have whole other identities and lives and relationships mm-hmm. online where, you know, of a person that they've made out of made up out of whole cloth. Mm-hmm. Um one thing that I'm really interested in, so they, they obviously they, they turn on the television, you know, they have the TV part is actually a major plot point in this. Uh, it looks like it's going to be a major plot point going forward. Um, but I'm really interested in what the what entertainment is essentially in the um, in the future, because like like you don't really see a lot of like movies or TV stuff. Like, and there's like, no Internet. And there's yeah, no and there's no more there's Wi-Fi. No Wi-Fi is no longer a thing. Exactly. So, mm-hmm. um, and and I, but I, and I also think because like an actor playing another part is no big thing anymore, you know, like 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 a, a like in the fictional because we're constantly acting because everyone's always acting. 
So I wonder if, like, because, like, you notice that like, there's no, like, references to movies or TV shows. Yeah, or... and it's all news. It's, it's all, all news. It's all, exactly. like, breaking news. And, and So I think maybe everything is uh, music and sports then? Yeah, basically, yeah, that and reality shows. Because mm. maybe. Um, mm. But uh, I... You mean, like, now? Yeah. So what do you think about... <laughs> yeah. What do you, what do you think about the... Um, like the fifth estate essentially like the press becoming the police is that another thing that you think that could could effectively happen where the people reporting the story i would also... certainly hope not i don't know if you've been paying attention to this country the press yeah. is not very good at their job no <laughs> not at all well also the, the police aren't very good at... you know what maybe it'd be a match you made in Harry yeah two well, industries we... that have grown bloated and corrupt that's yeah. actually um kind of a direct reference to the to the book because like the the person who ends up um working with pi uh the sister of of um the person who gets murdered ravina is yeah ravina thank you um she says like these the the press are idiots like this is why i need you to solve this because like the press doesn't know what they're doing yeah and they even like we do get a scene where basically she just kind of tricks them with politeness like pi is super acerbic and just by her being kind they're able yeah. to get themselves out of a very sticky situation with, with the yeah. when the vehicle rolls and Melanie yeah yeah has to go get fucking airlifted yes to the hospital. Which did you see the name of um the medical center? No, Schwarzenegger. Oh, yeah, medical yeah, center. yes, yes, Schwarzenegger. <laughs> yeah, so so celebrities becoming uh-huh. yeah exactly. So uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of little clever little things like that, and um yeah I. I'm actually kind of surprised that this is kind of not a bigger book because I, I know BKV writes a lot of popular comics that like are like mainstream and I'm kind of surprised this is not one of them because well I mean I I think we'll get into the whole pa- uh, panel syndicate thing but yeah I think that's why <laughs> well also too um the the story to borrow um richard's word is extremely evocative it's Mm -hmm. it's not i didn't necessarily enjoy it because it felt a little too on the nose for some things and i think that's why there are certain times that i there's a reference or something that like i'm like oh yeah you're really hitting me over the head with this yeah (laughs) And 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 it's also like it just feels a little too possible in some instances where I don't like that feeling. It's all too um, It's like if I would have read something about isolationism at the height of COVID, I think I probably would have right. been very, very depressed yeah. during that. Um, so it's not that it's not a good book. It was just a little too like icky for me, I guess, to put it plainly. Um, I, I mm, losing words. The it's, um, it's kind of a hard read. Yeah. It it just there's a lot of um back matter to this uh to these first five issues where um I think they explain a little bit about like the cloud bursting and like kind of like the world building of this. And I didn't read it because I didn't want to. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to be like, oh, okay. You know, I mean, what was it? Um uh the the great fappening of what like five years ago 
when all of those oh, celebrity right, when nudes got, yeah, iClouds yeah. got hacked yeah. and all those like nude, you know, pictures of, of celebrity female celebrities were leaked against their consent. Um, or I'm sorry, without their consent. So like we already know hacking yeah. can happen. And exactly. that's very easy and, for a lot of doxing, people. Doxing, like and I said, doxing always happens. And it's just like, um, and what's that one that, that is on the curtails of doxing? It's swatting. Um oh yeah when yeah. they basically send the SWAT team at, to your house. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, because you've pissed somebody off and you're playing <laughs> online games with them or something. It's just kind of like we already live in a world where that exists. Mm-hmm. And then in with the with the fall and of Twitter, you know, and like the today it was announced that their security team has been completely abolished within uh, within Twitter. <laughs> and whoa, 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 whoa. Um, hours before they were able they were going to meet for the first time <laughs> oh, oh wow. really yeah oh, they, no. they hadn't done any work yet like when uh musk came in he announced that uh that that team mm-hmm. and you, yesterday you know whatever was the news whether it was today or yesterday was supposed to be their first meeting and he dissolved it right before the meeting was yeah. supposed to happen and and one of the people um got doxxed and they had to literally flee their home because they were getting like massive like you know security threats mm-hmm. and it's just that's that's too that's too real yeah and i don't like that it's no. a really good book yeah. and i'm not familiar with panel syndicate and i know you're going to tell us all about that but oh, so yeah yeah we, let, and let's talk about that because part of what brian's saying that the book wasn't really you know well received i i think it was very well received by the people that read it but with this panel syndicate thing um this came out i want to say either 2012 or 2013 carrie mm-hmm. but what it was oh, with panel syndicate, it, it was what it yeah which it makes even more poignant that they, this is not contemporary like this yeah. is from a while ago that they, like, that they wrote this like they, they were actually so kind of maybe seeing a little bit into the future Exactly. But uh, but yeah, with the panel syndicate thing, what it was is that it was one of the first attempts at like direct digital comics. Like this wasn't through Comixology or anything at the time. Uh, you had to go to panelsyndicate.com, give them $10 and they sent you the file. But like they were the first people to try to put a comic out that way. Yeah. And now we see Comixology, your Marvel's Unlimited, mm-hmm. even the, uh, the Substack stuff. But like this was pre all that. So yes. I think what what happened is that you got and what it did what it what they did is that they made a very very good book to try to get people to flock in that direction, but like just people weren't ready to move over there and pay directly like that, you know, put their credit card on a site that they're only going to use one time. And I think that's why the book isn't as popular. I think since then it's been re-released physically, but yes. I think that's why this wasn't you know the huge success that maybe the quality it has dictates it should be so now panel syndicate has they even evolved now and it's it, it is now a pay what you want oh um, wow place. oh is it, it yeah so you and, and that includes not paying at all you can you can basically download anything mm. you want to off of panel syndicate for free and you're talking about brian k vaughn you're talking about ed brubaker i mean wow. there's there's a lot of big names on there and I usually, what I do in my head is basically like on a graphic novel, I usually do like 10 bucks because that's about the price of a, of like a, an image comic graphic novel. 
you know, like the in nineteen ninety five. No, like like the first 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 uh, volumes for my image are usually ten dollars. Oh, really? Yeah, and then, then it's like twenty dollars for the next volume. Right, right. So they, oh, yeah, it's like yeah. drugs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so so I usually like like if it's the first volume, I'll do like a ten dollar, and then like if I enjoy it, and I get the next volume. I'll get like I'll do like fifteen twenty bucks. Sure, sure. Yeah, but um. But yeah, um, and and uh, with Friday, uh, which is the Ed Rubaker book, which I actually really recommend, it's also Marcus Martinez, mm. the uh, is the artist, and um, that one I didn't know that when you purchase something, um, that link is just basically temporary, and you got to get it right away and download it. So I bought it, and then I forgot about it, and I'm like, oh, I need to download these books and put it on my on my on my cloud. Speaking of. And, and so I went to try to get the link again so I could re-download it. And I'm like, oh, like, nope, it's just one time use. So I ended up, you know, getting it for free the second time because I already had purchased it one time before. But I felt really guilty about doing it for free. I'm like, I, I really hope you know that I already bought this once. I'm really sorry <laughs> doing this. It's really good. And like, y'all should read it. But yeah, um, I, I definitely recommend checking out Panel Syndicate uh, to anyone who hasn't. Um, there's a uh, I actually one of my spotlights for a while a while back was Umami, which was like this like fun little story about the, the Uma and and Mommy who were like two cooks in like a little cut out manga world. It was drawn by the guy who drew um, I Kill Giants, and that's a really good series. Nice as well. So big recommends. Oh good. yeah, I need to read that. Yeah, um, yeah that. And but yeah, no, no, I mean that's. Yeah, with the panelists to the good stuff, that's the only reason why I don't think this is a bigger book because I think this will, uh, when this comes out, like Brian K. Vaughn is doing Saga, hottest thing on the planet, mm-hmm. and Marcus Martinez is just coming off doing a bunch of Spider-Man issues that were freaking incredible. And that's why they were like, hey, let's like shoot our shot. And like, obviously it was a certain level of success since panel syndicate still exists, but I don't think, you know, like, if this book just comes out on a newsstand on a regular Wednesday, I feel like it's a much bigger book than it is. Yeah, I could totally see that. Okay. And so this now it's just basically an underground gem that to check out. And I'm glad we're talking about it. Yeah, because, no. yeah, because like, maybe a lot of people don't know about this one. Because, um, yeah, it, is, it does hit close to home. And it's one of those things. You actually kind of reminded me of a story. Um, so when about kind of like when you're reading something, it matters as much as like what 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 you're reading and if you're going to enjoy it or not because uh um in high school like one of my favorite like comfort books you I'm going to sound really weird was uh the metamorphosis by Franz Kafka <laughs> I I read it a couple times right um I bought a new edition right before Carrie and I got married um if you're not familiar uh anyone listening is not familiar with the story uh, the metamorphosis basically one day Gregor Samsa, the uh, main character, wakes up and he's a giant cockroach. Mm-hmm. He is turned into a giant cockroach, oh. right? Um, and um, it's it's obviously it's a metaphor <laughs> um, to real life. Well, Carrie and I just got married. Um, you know, our first place wasn't the best place in the world, and unfortunately, we moved into a place that was infested with cockroaches. So I'm reading Ugh. Good Old Metamorphosis when he's describing this cockroach body, and I'm like, oh god, <laughs> I can't read this right now because there's literally cockroaches on the wall, you know, like I can't. So 
Yeah, and I think that was the last time I tried to read it. So it went from like a book that I absolutely like, you know, like read every once in a while, you know, to a book that I would never read again <laughs> because of, of the apartment that I was in at the time when I was trying to read it for like the third or fourth time. Mm. So, so yeah, I think yeah, depending on what your situation is, definitely affects whether or not you're gonna fully like something. So, Oops. so yeah, but uh, but yeah, um. We we only read half of this this book. Um, well, yeah, it's 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 two different volumes. So yeah, we read the first volume, first five, and then six through ten are in the uh, second volume. Yeah, and this definitely uh, entices you to read the uh, next volume because it ends on a cliffhanger. Um, yeah, I mean, we didn't get into all of it. I don't know if we want to spoil it all, but basically, the person it. that kills Taj, they were, you know, they're basically a, a band of intellectuals and it looks like his grandmaster plan is to bring the internet back and whatever society that they've built that could you know be catastrophic to it <laughs> mm-hmm. and he's so, um oh sorry no 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 go ahead please. And, and he's um adding uh cameras to all of the tvs yeah he's the right yeah, yeah he yeah. runs uh like basically he runs sony or lg like basically yeah. he runs the company that has the most tvs and he's putting cameras in people's homes without their knowledge yep so some kind of information network that he's creating basically that he's probably going to be a- ahead of um but yeah but you kind of get the vibe that he's kind of like a elon musk type because he wrote that bi- biography about you know his up and comings and like how hard of a worker he is and yeah um that seems kind of a little bit of a bs situation oh um ooh. fuck my dog just bit me oh johnny johnny that's okay i love you okay sorry you didn't really bite but he didn't yeah we're just fucking around but um okay um so uh we we did kind of talk about the uh the the grandfather um i oh man that was definitely the comedy of the uh of the book yeah. because like yeah he, um, he was definitely a comic anyone anyone with like an elderly you know uh elderly parent or a grandparent that that uh you know you kind of help take care of or you you have a lot of contact with when it comes it was kind of funny the way it was because now it's with technology you know, like that's that's usually the thing that us, the younger generations, have to help the older generations out with. And in this situation, he, the things that he wants to use are more technologically advanced than what's current at that time. So it's like basically mm. the um, PI has to like walk him back mm-hmm. away from technology. Like, oh, you can't you can't connect your video game online. You know, you can't use your iPhone, you know, like the way you want to use your iPhone. You know, like those those things that don't exist anymore. Because like there was a part in the very beginning of the of the book where PI uses a um a uh what's it called? A um a payphone. And, oh, and yeah, on the side of the road. Yeah. And yeah, and I was like, well, that's kind of a weird thing in this universe. And then they explained it's because things have con- become more analog now because yeah. of the cloud bursting. So so yeah, I, I thought that was kind of a fun little nuance there where where basically yes, technology is the problem between the generations, but now it's the opposite. It's like the the older generation's too technological and too dependent on technology than it is than it is now what is going on in, in the in the world. Mm-hmm. So, so that was pretty cool. Brian, I want to ask you a question. Because yes. I, I I've never nailed this. 
how do you describe Marcos Martin's art? Because I look at it and I want to say it's minimalist, but then when you look at it, it's very detailed though. But there's something about it, like, I, I don't know. It, it just, it seems like art from another era, but it seems very contemporary and it, it seems minimalist and highly detailed all at the same time. Yeah, I get a very like noir feeling to it. Like, mm-hmm. uh, it, it definitely, it, it, it it's very evocative. There's that word again of the um, of like the 1930s and 40s pulp, like you know, comics. But mm-hmm. there is a modern sensibility to it, like where um, it's it just it does it has that kind of it almost has a photorealistic look to it. But then it just gets a little bit cartoon. It's very similar also to like the like Sean Phillips, and and whatnot too. I I think I get that kind of vibe too. Um, mm. where it, yeah, it's like it's like it's very. Do they do their own coloring? I I I don't know if they do their. I I think they might do their own coloring in this book. I right? think with Marcos Martin, I believe he may. Yeah. Okay, because it feels like it clashes, because it feels like it's too colorful, like the color betrays you. The color. So be- um. I was going to say, Carrie, when you were describing like how you were kind of like uncomfortable with the book, like you could tell Mm -hmm. the quality, but you didn't enjoy it. Mm -hmm. This book is very colorful, but also I don't know if it's the tone of the story or something in the artwork. Everything has like a a film of grime in it. Like, you know, when you watch Uh an old movie, like in the 70s, and just everything looks a little bit dirtier while Mm -hmm. not, it's not supposed to be dirty, but there's there's a little grit to it. Yeah, there is. I, and and it's it and that's a lot that's what i'm trying to say too is the artwork's very clean the line work is amazing but I'm, i don't know if it's the coloring it doesn't feel like it goes together it creates um like you know how david lynch uses negative space in a lot of his films to create feelings of like grossness Ryan, back me up here. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um. Mm-hmm. So, like, that was really common in like uh, Blue Velvet and like Twin Peaks and all that stuff. So, like, that's how I feel looking at this particular art. And like you said, there's a grittiness to it. There is something that feels off looking at it because it looks like it should be a certain, like it should have a certain tone, and it does not. It mm-hmm. feels off kilter. And I and I don't know if it's and I think it's intentional. I think that's part of the story, but yeah. I don't know if it's necessarily the artwork or if it's the color work. But something is purposefully disjointed, and it makes me feel uneasy looking at it. So, I think that what what it might be um, with the coloring is that he goes from dark to light a lot where um there's a, there's some scenes where the the color hue is very like like subtle and it's it, it feels like a very dark panel and then all of a sudden like it's like a thousand lights just turned on and yeah like there's a high bright. saturation of color um, i and i also think um the the way the coloring is done is it's done in like there's 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 shading but I, especially the backgrounds it's usually one solid color. So I, I feel like your brain is like expecting 
not very detailed art. Okay. But then maybe. the art is very detailed. So it kind of messes with it. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know. And, and I think you're absolutely correct, Richard, when you say part of like a chunk of this is like the tone of the story itself. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and the costuming of the people. And Th that's what I was going to say. There's a garishness yeah. to everybody's yeah. costume, but like absolutely. everybody wears colors that either clash or, or at the very least we don't wear in the real world. Like there's, yeah. One scene with uh, the uh, uh, I believe his name Degare, the guy who's you know running the uh, team, the the television company, oh, the guy who seems to be the building yeah. the story, uh -huh. and so he's like wearing a big green coat that yeah. like I just feel like no one buys a coat in that color green, but like people are wearing like you know it'd be like red top, purple pants, and it's just that like yeah. in the real world people don't dress like that. Oh, um, just really quick, so the guy's name Degare. Is mm -hmm. it literally means like disguise in French? Oh, oh, that's funny. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, so or, or I, like uh, the librarian, the with the fucking fish face. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's gross. To and, me. and so, so these people are showing what their true selves are, and then they're yeah, they all look really. Like, and then like the uh, Ravina wears that weird um, like bug helmet, like that looks like a mantis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's just uh, it's just, it's very interesting. Um. Speaking of, and you just remind me of when it comes to the artwork, um, I there's a, a choice in presentation in this comic where uh, it's done in like all landscape. It's all done widescreen, essentially. And mm -hmm. I thought that was really cool because it kind of gives a cinematic quality to right. the story. Um, uh, so yeah, yeah, just pr be prepared to, to have your, uh, if you're doing it on digitally, like have your iPad or whatever you read on in uh, landscape mode because uh yeah everything is done that way which i think is cool too because it kind of zooms in the picture as well so like it, you you kind of see all the details you know like which is i which i think is pretty cool mm -hmm. yeah like, and uh also i just flipped to the page where um Melanie's wearing her her impromptu mask which is a mcdonald's bag with <laughs> with those... yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah melanie yeah, the unsung hero of this yes. uh story I, I hope we get more more of her in the uh next next uh volume that'd be pretty cool but yeah um all the design work is pretty cool in this um i you know i think they did a, a really good job like kind of even like the melding of like the press uniforms with the police uniforms where they kind of look yeah. like old school press but they're also they look like you know police officers at the same time i thought that was all pretty cool you know like yeah, it's it's definitely there. There was some effort and some creativity put in when it came to like how this world is created was created. So it's pretty cool. No, it's a really really well done book. Um, I can't wait to read volume two. I really want to know how it ends because just like we we're saying, they built a very fascinating world, and when it ended, I was just like, wait, that's it? <laughs> yeah exactly mm -hmm. like oh can we get like issue six right now please like that'd be nice um yeah oh one little fun very much moment in the book is that uh when uh pi is trying to help ravina because you know she you know hires him to figure out the case of her sister at first i didn't think we get it we didn't even get into it. ravina because she's the one that sends her uh taj to uh pi she's the one that suggests her so she's, she's the last person that he knew her she knew him or her sister to be with, she automatically thinks P.I. killed her. And he's like, why would I, like, I have no motive. <laughs> yeah. 
So, um, but yeah, so uh, there is a scene where PI, they, they reach a dead end and uh, PI needs to go for more information. So he's like, oh, I need to talk to this uh, person that I know that's in a similar business. And basically the guy's like, um, the only way I will, you know, give you the information if you give me your dream coat. And he's like, absolutely not. And he's like, we're leaving. And he's like, fine, I'll give the information if he kisses me like he used to, like he means it. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And they have this long, passionate kiss. Mm-hmm. And it comes out of left field. And then uh, Ravina's like, oh, I don't know anything about you. And he has like, yeah, that's the whole fucking point. That's yeah, the whole exactly. Point. <laughs> and it's all that was a really cute scene. Because no, totally like, was. there. There's nothing about P.I. I I guess you just assume that he's heterosexual, but there's nothing about P.I. that suggests anything in either direction. Mm-hmm. But but um, the way women are drawn in this book, they're very much drawn to be very attractive. So you just it, it just seems like a very heteronormative book. So when you get yeah. this very uh, um, homoerotic, you know, kiss scene, it really does come out of left field. But then when he when they have that conversation at the end, I was like, that's the point. You're not supposed to know anybody. Yeah. Like exactly. I'm supposed to be able to have these secret, you know, not even secrets, but like my per my private life is private. That's the yeah. world that we built now. And I thought it was yeah. a very neat, like, you know, sh- show of that. Yeah, for sure. I know I like that part too. There there is a part where he when he first meets Taj, the woman that gets killed in the beginning, um, mm-hmm. where she's handing him, she's like, Oh, I have cash. And he's like, No it's not you know like cash isn't the problem and she says like oh well you helped my sister and he's like yeah i thought your sister was hot yeah he he, oh yeah that's right yeah so he makes that comment so you know i mean i mean he could just as easily be be by yeah absolutely or pan or whatever and or like i think so many of us you don't necessarily have to have a sexual attraction to the person you can just say yeah you just be like they're attractive yeah Yeah. they're attractive people so like i yeah that is you're right though like that beginning setup you're like oh he's just like a cis het dude mm-hmm. but then he has that glorious kiss with that guy and yeah. i was like all right get it pi so this is cool that whole scene takes place I, i'm assuming it's ivy lawn um you know, like the the uh oh the cemetery of the stars and, yeah. and it all happens at madonna's grave which which now explains more to me when you said that this book was originally written in 2013 because they have Madonna dying in 2017. Oh shit! <laughs> oh no! So, so I'm, I'm very glad that that's not true. Yeah, like, that didn't happen. But uh, but yeah, I would, I wonder how how Madonna feels about uh, having uh now. Lived, oh, actually, lived in the back matter, it says that they were they started working on this ever since 20, 2011. Oh wow! So yeah, oh, wow. so even earlier. But I guess yeah, it dropped you know a year or so later. Mm. So. Yeah, this um, and also I think there's a little bit of a commentary. Um, the two two of the bad guys, like the hitmen, they are French, and everyone's kind of amazed that there's people speaking French, in yeah, and uh, in, in like in like because like nowadays obviously that wouldn't be a big thing, but like I feel like maybe in the future because everything gets shut off like technologically, we're once in that microcosm type world where. Uh, <laughs> You know, like everyone around you is the same as you, essentially, you know, or at least presents that way. So, yeah, it's really interesting. Very cool. Like, no, all in all, really good book, really fun book. But mm-hmm. like, even like I'm looking at the scene, um, 
where 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 they kiss like uh the gentleman the other uh i guess he's another pi technically mm-hmm. or paparazzi but yeah. he's wearing a i guess an aqua striped suit with a pink shirt he's wearing a mask he's wearing like a garish purple tie but like every every time you see someone their colors are outrageous so i think that's what adds to to you know the art you know having that weird feeling for you mm-hmm. carrie like i'm looking at one of the french guys it's a uh, like a very steampunk gold helmet, but with mm-hmm. pink lenses. And then he's oh, wearing yeah. uh, he's wearing a blue blazer and like a uh, like a red ascot. But it's like so much color clash. Yep, definitely. That's interesting. I'm gonna have to read the back matter and see like what the point of all that is, mm-hmm. other than just to make me feel gross. <laughs> <laughs> and then like um, Ravina, she's wearing like. The top, her top is like a spider webby kind of design, and then her pants are are plaid, you yeah, know. But like privately, she dresses like in a green sweater yeah, and blue jeans. Exactly. So yeah, Ravina's Ravina didn't dress up until she got that outfit at that weird place. Yeah. Until she had to. Yeah, she had to like. Yeah, you're right. Essentially, dress up. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it's it was it was fun. In a way, I did not expect it to be fun. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll gladly finish it. Yeah. Very cool. Well, you guys have any other last thoughts before we uh, wrap anything, everything up? But, no, I was going to say, no, the only thing I really wanted to add is try to support Panel Syndicate. You know, it's a, yeah. I don't, it can't, it, well, we can't say it's new. It's been around for a bit now, but it's a different way of putting comics out there, it's, you know, direct to creator. And, you know, you support, support new ways for new projects to get out. Like, I, Exactly. Just, I mean, this book is really good. Like you were saying, Friday's really good, and that's another one that I know had has come out physically as well. Mm-hmm. Um, In fact, volume yeah, two not just come out this week. Oh, it, oh, I, Friday. I didn't even realize. But yeah. yeah, awesome. But yeah, no, really fun book. I mean, Marcos Martin. I will always show up. I mean, Brian K. Vaughn as well. But just something yeah. about Marcos Martin's art, like I don't know. <laughs> It's not my favorite. Like it's he's not my favorite artist, but there's something about his art I can't take my eyes off. Mm-hmm. That's a, yeah, I I can totally see that, and I kind of feel the, the same way. Um, and I also uh, kind of want to know because like Munza Vicente, um, basically works with Mar- Marcus Martin all the time, and I wonder what the like like does, does Vicente do like the you know the coloring or do they do other additional art? I'm not sure exactly what their what their relationship is when it comes to. Right. Um, but yeah, um, for Panel Syndicate, uh, you also have like a book by Alex DeCampi. I mean, Albert Montes is on here. Um, like I said, uh, Friday by um, Brubaker is on here. There's Joe Kelly. I mean, there's a bunch of, of you know, top notch comic book creators. So yeah, it's it's definitely worth checking out. I think that's okay. about it then, right? Yeah. All right. Well, joining us here. You have we have reached the end of the show, and thank you everyone for listening. And Instagram, Twitter, and Grid Pods we can be found um, at CDB Pod. I said Grid Pods accidentally, but it's actually Good Pods um, for our book clubbers on Friday. Uh, on Instagram, we'll announce the uh, next episode's main subject, and uh, so you can kind of follow along if you want to, or just know what we're going to listen to or read and talk about next episode. If you want to, uh, you can also email. Uh, you, you can email us at comicsdeservebetter at gmail.com. 
and uh, that's also the best place to get Carrie. Yes. Um, and our website is commonsareBetter.wordpress.com where you can request an episode of the future show. Um, re- actually, right before we get to the final part here, um, friend of the show uh, and frequent emailer now, Matt uh, emailed us again. Um, oh, hi, Matt. And, and he emailed us about Newburn. Hi, Matt. I hope you're feeling better. And um, what he had said about Newburn, which is from a couple episodes ago, was that it sounds like Newburn is a gritty Sherlock Holmes figuring out the mystery in advance for the reader. The reader is basically Watson, so many steps behind. Oh, that's from Matt. So, oh. yeah. Thank you, Matt. if you haven't listened to that episode, it's a good episode. Yeah. I think so myself. And so, anyways, um, book, so. Richard, where can we find you on the internet? Um, I'm at Topcat360 on all social media. Um, let's see. Well, the Marriage Equality Act got signed. That was good. Yay. My Dolphins uh, started out great, but now they may not make the playoffs. So that is bad. And those oh. are the big types of things I talk about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have to have the good and the bad. Right, right. Unfortunately, sometimes the sports is the bad. So, <laughs> um, And I'm at Bryjan underscore CV on Instagram. And, uh, yeah, I'll just post random stuff. I don't know if I even frequently post anymore. Um, but that's about it. Carrie, uh, do you have anything else or um, do you want to? Dogs Without Borders. They are an L.A. based um, or Southern California based animal rescue. I just put in my application today for Bobby. So hopefully we'll get him. Shelters are full, you guys, of cats, of dogs, of bunnies. Please, 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 um, if you can, open your hearts to a little furry friend. They are literally the best fucking thing on the face of the planet. Um, and if you can't, go onto various websites and share their information with your followers on social media. It's just really important. Um, right now, I think a lot of um, LA County and uh, like, southern california um shelters are at a euthanized like at least one like one time a day um for dogs so it's it's pretty shelters are way too overcrowded and they don't have the money so they're they're literally killing dogs left and right um so if you can find it in your heart to adopt during this time of year that's even better you help clear shelters and also remember that if you do adopt animals during this time they're forever whenever you get an animal it is not just a christmas present as sia tells us yep uh puppies, puppies are, are forever so not for christmas not just for christmas so you know <laughs> if if you can and you're able to wonderful and if you cannot donate money donate your time volunteer even just sharing the social media posts foster let's get uh yeah you can also foster fostering yeah. is free and um Usually places provide all of the uh, training and all of the supplies. So just uh, let's get these shelters clear. So uh, do what you can for others. It's it's a good time of year to feel that spirit. Love who you love. Believe what you believe. Be kind to everybody. Yeah. Because we all should remember that comics are better and everyone deserves comics. But I was really good with segues this week. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> oh, this goddamn cough. Oof.